Today, we're kicking off Celebration Week, and it feels amazing and serendipitous that to top this week off, we get to be together in person. I am so looking forward to seeing all of you next Sunday, and I'm super hopeful that we are at the beginning of the end of this pandemic chapter. COVID has given us a strange gift. It's given us lots of reasons to celebrate. Reasons that wouldn't have even seemed like reasons a couple of years ago are bringing tears to our eyes and joy to our hearts. Meeting together to go to church is a reason to celebrate. It is now. Hugging your grandbabies is a reason to celebrate. Yep. Making a trip to visit your relatives, seeing smiling faces at the grocery store, hosting the whole family for Thanksgiving, having a kid's birthday party, chauffeuring your kids to soccer or baseball four nights a week, all reasons to celebrate. Things that we would have taken for granted or maybe even complained about a year and a half ago now bring joy and celebration. We just finished our series on the book of Habakkuk. And one of the lessons of Habakkuk is that to lament is part of being faithful. As God's people, we are called to tell the truth about the way things are. And sometimes things are dark and hard and impossible. And so we have lamented the loss of small and big things this year. It has at times felt impossibly dark and hard. But life is teaching us that embedded in all of this loss is the seed of joy. It's like the tears of loss have cleared our vision to see and appreciate the things in our lives that are worth celebrating, the things that do bring joy. And this is the paradox of joy, which gives rise to celebration. It is paired with loss, with hardship, with lament. Lament and celebration come from the same place inside of us. Joy and pain are located in the same place in our being. And so if we can feel our losses, we also have the capacity for joy. Loss and hardship strip away the veneer that often builds up on our hearts as life chugs away at a steady pace. Sometimes, in the evenness and predictability of life, we lose our ability to revel in the good things that God is always providing. We take for granted the ways that God sustains and provides, and we lose our sense of joy. I was listening to a podcast with James Martin, a Jesuit priest who just wrote a book on prayer, and he shared that in a visit with his spiritual director, the director reminded him that if prayer is about bringing our honest selves before God, if prayer is about telling the truth to God, we need not only to be truthful in our lament, but also truthful in and through our thanksgiving, our celebration. Now, honestly, my friends, this week has not been a celebratory week for me. I was not in the headspace to write a celebratory message. But in prepping for this sermon, I was reminded that celebration is sometimes not about how we feel, but it can be a reprieve from the constant grind of hard news. Celebration can be like an oasis 
when the journey gets hard. Celebration can help us recognize the ways that God is present even when we don't feel his presence. Sometimes celebration arises from joy, but sometimes celebration is a discipline that leads us to joy. So maybe today you have joy bursting out of you. You're ready to celebrate. You're ready for the relief that celebration can bring after a long, hard year. If that's where you're at, you're in the right place. But maybe you're here this morning feeling heavy. You're not ready to celebrate. Life isn't offering you a whole lot to sing about. And that's okay too. Because sometimes celebration is a discipline. But it's a discipline that can give rise to joy. So here are three ways that I have caught hold of a spirit of celebration in this hard week. And you know what? They did lead me to joy. And I hope that if celebration feels hard, there might be a handle in here for you too. Maybe there's an invite into the respite that celebration can bring if life feels heavy right now. Entering into a spirit of celebration can be done by revisiting the past. Joy can be found as we celebrate the past, as we remember the moments of joy that we have experienced or the ways that God has been faithful to us as individuals and as a community. Listen to these words from Psalm 105. Hallelujah. Thank God. Pray to him by name. Tell everyone you meet about what he has done. Sing him songs, belt out hymns, translate his wonders into music. Honor his holy name with hallelujahs, you who seek God. Live a happy life. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Remember the world of wonders he has made, his miracles, and the verdicts he's rendered. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O child of Jacob, his chosen. The Psalms were the prayer book of the people of Israel when they worshiped together in the temple. And the Psalms contain songs of lament as well as songs of celebration. And this song of celebration is all about remembering the ways that God has been faithful. It goes on after these first few verses to remind the people that God called Abraham, God rescued Joseph, God led them out of slavery in Egypt, and continued to be faithful to them as they wandered through the wilderness. The invitation of this psalm is to recollect how God has been present to them in the past. And this is not unique to the psalms. After the people are led out of slavery in Egypt, God tells them that they are to remember this formative moment in their history by celebrating the Passover every year. They are to gather and cook and say certain things and do certain things and remember with their whole selves the time when their children escaped the angel of death. This celebration was meant to help them to keep at the forefront of their mind the reality that God was the one who rescued, redeemed, and formed them. Celebration and formation go hand in hand. And part of celebrating is remembering the past. 
remembering the past means going all the way back to the story of creation. At least it does for us as followers of Jesus. In Genesis 1, God creates a good and beautiful world out of the chaos. That's the beginning of the story. This is a part of what we remember. It's our true start, our true beginning. It is, in fact, the origin story of creation, the origin story of every human on earth. And we can celebrate because we believe that this world was created out of the overflow of love. That's the beginning of the story. Love is the genetic code of creation. And where there is love, there is joy. Joy is embedded in creation. And therefore, it pops up in our own stories over and over again. It's relentless. Now we've done the work of celebrating as we've remembered Lakeview's history through our 100 year videos. This week's installment was about a time in Lakeview's history that was really difficult. But as we look back on it, we can still see that God was faithful, hovering over the chaos to bring new life and hope. And that is a reason to celebrate. As we remember, we draw the threads of meaning together. We recognize the ways that God has stayed present and faithful to us. In recent years, I've been developing this practice of noticing moments when I am perfectly content, when I am full of joy, moments of celebration. And this week, preparing for this sermon, was a perfect time to reflect back on those moments. Some of them are so small. There was that time when I was out cleaning the yard at my acreage on a cold, crisp November day. It was a really hard year and all of a sudden joy just fell over me like a cloak. There was the day I had all of my kids in Jasper for a winter holiday and we went skating on Pyramid Lake. It was cold and beautiful and I was absolutely happy. It was amazing. Some moments are bigger. I think about my brother's wedding and my son's wedding. They were such great celebrations. I think about the day that I met my sons, Kitas and Moshi. I was trying so hard not to shed tears because I didn't want them to think I was sad when I first met them. And so I just ended up with a big goofy smile through streams of tears. There was the day that my daughter was born. I wanted a baby girl so badly. Side note, I love boys. Boys are awesome, but girls were hard to come by in both mine and my ex-husband's families, and I already had a boy, so I really wanted a girl. When Ella was delivered, the rookie resident said I'd had a boy. Not sure if she continued on to deliver babies as a profession, discerning the difference between certain body parts feels like a pretty rudimentary skill when it comes to delivering babies. But anyway, 
I want to say that when I heard that I'd had a boy, I was not disappointed one bit. I was delighted. But then the doctor took a look over the shoulder of the resident, gave the resident a dirty look and announced to me, um, no, you've had a girl and I lost it. I was so full of joy, weeping and saying to Brad over and over, we have a girl, we have a girl. Eventually everyone in the delivery room was crying. It was a super joyful moment. And then there was this moment when I found out that my brother and his wife were expecting their first baby. We had just had pictures taken of our whole family and in inappropriate sister fashion, I was bugging them the day of saying that we'd ha just have to get new ones right away because they were gonna be having a baby soon, wink, wink. Two months later, they presented me with a framed picture of them from that day with the words written on the back, you were right, we need new family pictures taken. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. really crappy. It's crappy paper. I was trying to reinforce it. I was like, well, I'll just read like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Do we? Do we want Scrabble? It's likely the game that I lose. Aww. Who doesn't want Scrabble? It's awesome. Thank you. Entering into celebration can happen not only by remembering the past, but by paying attention to the present. The world was created out of the overflow of God's love, and it's sustained by this same love. At the heart of the universe, at this very moment, there is a loving God. Not just a loving God, but a God who delights in us, a personal God, a God who is present, not just in every moment, but to our every moment. It says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This week, my daughter came into my office to talk while I was thinking about the day she was born and prep for this sermon, you know, recalling all those feelings of love and joy that came with her arrival. She often just kind of pops in when she's bored or has a tidbit of info that she wants to share. And she was sitting in the chair chatting away when she looked at me and said, why are you looking at me like that, mom? Then she broke into a smile because I was looking at her with delight, with joy, because I was remembering that this person 
is the little peanut who arrived all of those years ago. God takes joy in us. In this moment, God looks at us and rejoices. And in his gaze of joyous love, our present moments can be channels of joy. Matthew 6 reminds us that God has in mind every detail of our lives. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. This passage has in it the clue for experiencing joy in the present moment. Pay attention. Look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Lift your head to see the sky. Feel the wind on your cheeks. Be present right here and now because this is the moment in which God makes God's self known. Now I know that some of us try to escape being present because this present moment often doesn't feel like robins and buttercups. Instead, it feels more like a desert, like a storm, like chaos. Sometimes the present feels like pain that might sweep us off our feet. I get that and I want to make room for that. I can think of some of you right now for whom the present moment might feel unbearable. But even in our pain, God is present. And because that is the case, mysteriously, that means that sometimes in the midst of pain, joy breaks through, unexpected to buoy us and to sustain us. In my list of moments of joy, I listed a moment in November 2007. I was not in a good place. Life had fallen apart and I was having a hard time opening myself up to the moment because every moment was brimming with pain. But one morning, I had enough energy to go out into the yard and do some yard work. It was crisp and cold and I remember the shimmer of frost on the grass. I went out heavy with sadness and I got to work. I had to move some railway ties. I remember that. And I also remember that I figured out that I could tow them with my truck and then hammer them into place with a sledgehammer. And I was really proud of myself. In the middle of my work, lost in the moment, present to what I had to do, I forgot about worrying about the future or ruminating on the past. And all of a sudden in that open space, joy flooded in overflowing joy. It was so surprising and so astonishing. In that moment, I felt God's overwhelming delight for me, flowing out of the very heart of creation. It came and went. A little while later, I was back in bed and life felt overwhelming again. But that surprise joy alerted me to the truth that joy would visit again 
and that in order to experience it, I had to stick around and stay alert. I had to be present. We can celebrate the ways that God has been faithful to us, but we can also celebrate now, knowing that joy comes to us in this moment, sometimes surprising us, coming out of left field to bowl us over, kind of like a sledgehammer. And this can happen because the joyous presence that is at the heart of the world is present in this moment. And so joy is always a possibility, even in the hardest of circumstances. And so we celebrate. Entering into a spirit of celebration happens by revisiting the past, staying alert to the present, but it can also come as we look ahead to the future. Romans 8 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This is what Paul says. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. And meanwhile, our joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. It's not only around us, it's also within us because the Spirit of God is arousing us within. We also feel the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. And that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. So, the world was created out of the overflow of love. The world is sustained by the love and joy of God, which reveals itself as we remember the past and stay present in the moment. But all of these moments are clouded by sad and heavy times. There is joy and goodness at work. Yes, but it's incomplete. There is an unmet longing in us that we can't find a place for. We yearn for deliverance. We are in the in-between times. But as Christians, we believe that there will be a time when all will be well, when everything will be made right, when all will be made new. And our small moments of joy are just glimpses of what's to come. Creation knows its beginning and it knows its end. And Paul says that God is just kind of reining it in, that it is just ready to burst with deliverance and renewal, to burst with all things being set right. And we too are filled with this longing and this expectancy. At the end of The Lord of the Rings, when Samwise Gamgee, you know, the little hobbit, awakes safely tucked away in bed in the land of the elves after they throw the ring into Mordor, he says to Gandalf, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. 
is everything sad going to come untrue? As followers of the resurrected Jesus, we have the assurance that all the sad things will come untrue. God will do for creation what God did for Jesus. God will make all things new. And in the meantime, our hope grows. Like a mother growing a baby in her belly, we look forward with anticipation to the time when all will be made right. And do you know what looking forward to that future does? It increases our capacity for joy. So I've shared with you how I have experienced the joy that celebration can bring as I've remembered the past and stayed attentive to the present. But let me share with you a way that I have experienced joy by looking to the future. There are many things that I have found difficult about COVID, but I wanna tell you about two of them. The first is that somehow I picked the short straw and was the one who had to leave my dad when we were putting him in dementia care in September. And because of COVID, I haven't been able to see him since then. The second is that my brother and his wife welcomed their second baby in November and I wasn't able to meet him until Easter. At Easter, it seemed like all the stars were aligning and that I would be able to see my dad and meet my new nephew. And on Easter, that's amazing. We had decided to move my dad to a new care home and a space became available the week before Easter. So we planned to move him on Easter Monday. My brothers and I all got our COVID tests and we headed to Edmonton to help my mom with the move. And on Monday morning, just before we were about to leave and start the move, my mom decided to call his care home and take care of some last minute details. And we were told that someone who had tested positive for COVID had come into work and we would not be able to see him or move him. I was so disappointed. I had been filled with anticipation, waiting to see my dad and hug him again, and it felt like my joy bubble had gotten popped. I was deflated. But in the middle of the disappointment was also joy because I got to see this guy. This is what it's like to live in the world. It's the now and the not yet. It's the now joy of seeing your new nephew who you've been waiting to meet. And it's the not yet disappointment of having your hoped for reunion with your dad called off. There is joy, but there is also longing that remains unfulfilled. I still haven't gotten to see my dad yet, but I will, I know that. And in the meantime, my hope is growing. And one day, my joy will be made complete when I get to hug him again. And one day, our longings too will be filled. Our joy will be made complete as we look forward to what God has promised to do. And in the meantime, we wait. And through celebration, we tell the story of how one day all sad things will be undone. And so our hope, our joy grows. So whether you are filled with longing and disappointment today, 
or whether you are ready to get your party on, celebration is your invitation to joy. My hope is that as you remember the good things that have come your way in the past, as you stay attentive to this moment, and as you lean into the longings you have that are yet unmet, that you will be surprised by joy. God was serious about celebration. Israel was commanded to gather together three times a year to celebrate the goodness of God. And those festivals were experiences that gave strength and unity to the people of Israel. Jesus was also serious about celebration. He went to so many dinners and parties. He was rumored to be a drunk and a glutton. So the conclusion that I have come to is that we also need to be serious about our celebration. We need to celebrate the fullness, richness, and abundance of this wonderful life that God has given to each of us. And after this year, this absolute mayhem, madness of a year, I don't know if we really need that many more excuses to look for ways to celebrate. So celebrate the small things. Something I've been doing since my 27th birthday, which happened just a mere few weeks before the pandemic, was I started taking a one second video each day. There's an app called One Second Every Day where all you do is take a one second video, you plop it into your timeline, and then you can journal about it if you want to. For the past 468 days, I have found tiny, ordinary moments to celebrate in my everyday life. It can be as simple as a good cup of coffee, my dog doing something silly, or going to a fancy resort with Luke. This practice of celebrating the ordinary has opened my eyes up to the richness and goodness of God in my life as I listen to the Holy Spirit prompting me for things that I want to celebrate in the day-to-day. But beyond celebrating the small things, let's also celebrate the big things. One of my favorite ways to be serious about a celebration, throw a party. Throw a party to celebrate a new baby, to celebrate a COVID birthday that slipped by, to celebrate seeing your grandparents for the first time in months, to celebrate moving, to celebrate graduating, to celebrate getting a new dog. Do you see where I'm heading with the practice for this week? Now, I can already feel my introverted friends dying a little on the inside about the prospect of throwing or maybe attending a party. Never fear, you don't need to slink down in your chair and hide your face behind your hand. Because today, my friends, I want to share with you both some ideas for how to celebrate the abundant life we have in Jesus, both personally, for my introverts slash reflective types, and communally, for my maybe more extroverted slash social types. First, the personal celebration. I want you this week to think about or write down or collect mementos or photos that remind you of a few things. First, I want you to find something in your past to celebrate, a moment that every single time you think about it, you well up with feelings of joy and gratitude. Something in your present you want to celebrate. Something that's happening right now that you want to be joyful and grateful about. And something in your future that you want to celebrate. Something that you are hopefully anticipating coming up. These can be milestones, major life changes or events, but as you pause and as you reflect or as you look forward or as you be present in the moment, I want you to recognize that sense of joy and anticipation that wells up in us. Because joy is a fruit of the spirit. And I think that is a beautiful connection to celebration. Now, the communal celebration. I would like you to make a list of three people you know this year who had something significantly joyous happen. Maybe they had a baby, maybe they moved, a big birthday or an anniversary, 
whatever you can think of. And then I want you to throw them a party. Could be a big party with however many people public health measures allow, or it could be a drive-by party where everything you need, including a small piece of cake and a noisemaker, is placed lovingly in a box and dropped off on their driveway. If you don't know where to start, I recommend a little app called Pinterest to help get you started. Something about celebrating others gives us life. It gives us purpose, and being celebrated reminds us that we are cared for and loved and worthy of being noticed. But, 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 I have a challenge for you. For some of you, it's going to be super easy to do the personal celebration. For others of you, it's going to be very easy for you to do the communal celebration. And I want you to challenge yourself to do not just the one that's easiest for you. First, I'm going to speak to my fellow extroverts. Don't worry, introverts, we're going to circle back around to you in just a moment here. But my fellow extroverts, those of us who like to throw a party, I can hear the hum of anticipation coming off of you just from the mere idea of throwing a party. Because this might come easily to you. So do it. Knock it out of the park. Bring people together. Have fun. But I do not want you to discount the idea of quiet personal reflection as a means of celebration just because it may not come naturally to you. I want you to find 20 minutes to set aside and maybe you'll go for a walk, sit on your patio, and reflect about the things you have celebrated, are celebrating, or want to celebrate. Think about the sights, the sounds, the smells of the things you want to celebrate or have celebrated. Paint a picture in your mind of the past, present, and future celebration. And then just rest in that image the way you would rest at the dinner table after you've had a really good meal. Because just because there aren't balloons and sparklers and all of your closest friends there doesn't mean it doesn't count as celebrating. My beloved introverts, I will also speak to you. Step out of your comfort zone and be shameless about inviting people into your life to celebrate either yourself or others. Seek to find new ways to engage in community and to outwardly celebrate things that invite others in. Maybe plan a little get-together with some of your closest friends, those who had something super special happen this year. Sit and be together. Put in the work of being in community or finding yourself at home with others in celebrations. Or be shameless about something that you want to celebrate. Tell people exactly how you want them to join in and be a part of your celebration in a significant way. Draw them into your joy and don't feel guilty about asking them to take part in that with you. For example, for my birthday, I asked people to send in a photo or a memory to help me celebrate my birthday, and it was such a meaningful gesture from some of the people who sent it in. I think Richard Foster sums it up best. He says that celebration is central to all of the spiritual practices. Without a joyful sense of festivity, the practices become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of modern Pharisees. Every practice should be characterized by a carefree gaiety and a sense of thanksgiving. So now, as we talk about celebration, we are going to move to celebrate communion, a physical liturgy where we remember and celebrate who Jesus is and what he did for us. I've often found that communion feels quite somber and reflective, and many are used to the juice and cracker version of communion. But the reality is, is that communion used to be a whole meal, a feast, a celebration, if you will. For those of you taking notes at home and aren't sure what to celebrate, if you can't come up with anything to celebrate with your friends or your family over the next week, 
maybe just gather them together and share communion with them. And you don't have to worry about saying the right words or not having the grape juice or the tiny cracker, but just focus on celebrating the life we have in Jesus together over a meal. So as we move into communion, we celebrate. We celebrate that he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for the abundant life that you have blessed us with. Thank you for all of the reasons, big and small, personal and communal, that we have to celebrate. And help us to see your goodness in our lives. And help us to see the ways that you celebrate alongside us. So go ahead. Have some bread. If you are with someone else, you can give them the bread and say, Christ's body broken for you. Or if you're on your own, you can break off the bread and have some for yourself. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you, Jesus, for creating a new covenant with your blood. Thank you for inviting us in. Go ahead and take a drink of your wine or your juice. If you're with someone else, you can give them the cup and say Christ's blood poured out for you. Or if you are alone, you can take some for yourself. And as you do so, as you participate in communion, in this feast, this small feast, remember that that is reason enough to celebrate. <laughs>